Hey, Foundry Church, welcome. We are so excited as we jump into part two of our series, um, our relationship with one another. And I know uh, with Foundry, we are a Bible teaching church. And you may think, okay, is this a topical series, like dealing with a topic? And I would say, no, it's not. I would say we have looked into the Word of God and we look closely at it to see um, to see what God's saying on different issues. And one of the things that rose to the surface was the interactions we have with each other, right? Our our relationships with each other. The Word of God speaks very clearly on that, and we're going to look at that today in Colossians 3 and a number of different Proverbs, because our relationships with um, ourselves, like one another, and the world matter. Actually, uh, the other day I saw a little sign in a store down in Texas the other day, and it said this, I really like Jesus, but some of his followers give me the creeps. And I'm like, that's what we're talking about, right? Where it's like, we need to, we need to deal with relationships relationships and and recognize that they don't always go well. Here's here's what I'd like to do. Um, you've heard me talk about this before. Fight or flight. There's actually a term for it. It's called amygdala hijack. Now amygdala hijack is um, a more broad term than just fight or flight. But here's what it is. There are people who... Um, can be triggered or hijacked pretty easily by certain phrases and certain things. Uh, it, it happens, but hijacking has this very um, deeply invasive and kind of negative term to it uh, in our society. I remember as a very little boy, I didn't have to look this up. I didn't have to anything. When I thought of the word hijack, I think of one name, the Achille Lauro. It was a cruise ship when I was, a, I must have been very little. I, I don't remember any images from it. I just know the name, the Achille Loro. It was a cruise ship that was hijacked. And many people were hurt and killed. And, um, and what happens is things get hijacked in this world, right? We've seen planes be hijacked and different things like that. And when that happens, the FBI will send somebody in to de-escalate it. Because here's the thing, an amygdala hijack is one of those things where we're, we no longer can hear we can't hear anymore what's going on because we've switched into this survival mode. We go into a mode that's like, not um, what's the best way forward, it's how do I get out of this alive? How do I get out of this okay? We get hijacked, we literally, it's like unplugging the computer from the wall if you have a computer that plugs into the wall, most of the laptops now, but or the TV just unplugging it, it may be near it, but it's not connected and there's no power to it. Literally, our logical forward brain disengages and we go full reptilian. We are hijacked by something. So maybe I'm sitting there eating a salad, which now we all know is kind of a make-believe story. I, I joke, I like salad. Um, but I'm eating a salad and being colorblind, there's been a number of times where Eric is like, did you look at this salad? Like, it, it's brown. I'm like, it's a vibrant green, please. And then she's like, it's four weeks past due. I'm like, what is slick? So it's thrown away. And then, you know, I'm the smell, you're like, oh, it's so gross. But like, like, imagine eating a salad and Erica's saying, just saying the words, did you check the expiration date? What? oh gosh, I feel sick. Now, medically, it's impossible to be that sick that quick, right? But, but the hijack says, oh my gosh, I gotta get this out of me. I've gotta stop eating it. Um, like a quick recovery burger. <laughs> no, um, but it, you know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden it can just like grab you or, or your teacher says, I wanna talk to you after class. What, what about? You know, or, you know, um, I think I have your parents' number when your teacher says that. You're like, question. 
Are you going to call them? Because you're scared. All of a sudden you go into, how do I survive this? So I want to talk about that and look at it. Because an amygdala hijack can be something that cripples us. That just locks us down, and we're going to feel that way a little bit today. And I want to employ some of what the FBI does in this de-escalation, the effort to bring us back and plug our logical forward brain back into our system and get us out of survival mode and get us into a mode where we can grow, we can listen, we can thrive, to, to really be able to hear and maybe take a word of critique without being shamed for it. So leaning in, there's a couple steps to prevent or de-escalate this kind of hijack that we have. And um, I'm going to use some of them because I know I need it. And I realize, given the topic for today, that some of us are going to quickly fall into this hijack. And I want to take the time with you to make sure we stay connected. So how do we reconnect? How do we reconnect if we suddenly hijack? It's going to happen, I would guarantee in this, because we're going to talk about marriage. And for some of us, there's some of us who are listening and watching, and we've longed to be married. And this longing has gone unmet. We haven't had the intimacy and the connection. We haven't had the opportunity to walk the aisle and do those things. And so hearing that, something rises up, and we go into survival mode. And I want that to be able to be de-escalated. Uh, maybe you've been through a brutal divorce and a really bad marriage and things have gone horribly wrong and you find yourself hearing the term marriage and you're like, oh yeah, I don't even, and you just kind of go into survival mode because it was such a toxic thing. I don't know, but I think that can happen in this type of thing. Maybe it will poke at an old wound from your past and shame will want to raise its voice and you go into survival mode. Here's the thing I would like to say. Nobody has a perfect marriage except for my very fortunate wife, Erica. <laughs> That's super not true um, because here's the thing. Nobody has a perfect marriage because you may even think, yeah, look, you were just funny about it and stuff. Here's the thing. I I've used humor at the wrong time in my marriage. I've, I've, nobody has a perfect marriage. We all have things to work out. We have failures and mistakes, and, and in marriage, you, you kind of live so close together, but sometimes you bump into each other, and it doesn't go well, and you have to work through it. Every marriage has things it has to work on in different seasons, in different times. Every marriage struggles, but it's the struggle that grows you stronger. So know this. No marriage is perfect. Pull that. Pull yourself away from the, the noise in your head right now and reconnect and hear this. Every marriage has its struggles. Everything, every marriage deals with different things at different times and they need to grow in order to be healthy, grow closer together and trust one another. Every marriage has to work through difficult and hard things. So here's what we know. You're not dealing with your marriage or your lack of marriage or your past in here today with us or even with your spouse. We're gonna deal with it in a biblical way between you and God, between you and God, that's all. This is what the, the Lord will speak into it. God will speak into this and know, knowing this will help us stay engaged, knowing that he loves you, it's huge, and he wants the best for you. So when you know that you're loved and you know someone wants the best for you, we will much more rarely in that setting go into amygdala hijack because we know the person loves us. 
They love us. So since you know God loves you, stay connected and listen through this. Take a deep breath. <sighs> smile. Do you need to look at somebody and smile? I think we do. I think just look at somebody and smile. I do that sometimes, and it's super awkward, like on an airplane. Just look over, and they're like, oh, gosh, we're being hijacked. I'm like, no, we're not. Like, it just, just smile. Just relax. Smile. Take a deep breath. Because one of the steps I'm trying to follow, even it literally just happened right now, is when I get nervous about a topic, I start making jokes. I literally, I literally just did it. It's so funny. None of that hijacking thing was in the notes. I do it. I get nervous, and I start popping jokes. And when, when I'm walking through the sermon, I'm working on it with Erica, she literally said this to me. It's right here. Not let, do not let your own nerves on this subject make you aggressive or joke inappropriately. It's in my notes, written by Erica, because I get aggressive and I joke inappropriately. So let's just be honest. I mean, ah, oh, yeah, I, I think sometimes I'm a living amygdala hijack. So just know, like, for me, that's one of my tells. That's how my nerves come out, is I'll make jokes. But what I want to do is look at this important section out of the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 3 to 25. And here's... Um, Here's what we're going to do. We are working on it on a memory verse level. So we're trying to memorize this. I haven't had much time to work on it. So it could be super rocky and um, for me working through it. But here's the thing. Memorizing scripture isn't about being able to quote it at someone or perfectly in tune or in time with all the right tenses. Sometimes it's just hiding the word of God in your heart and having it with you. So join me and forgive me if I mess up. As I work through, I may have to look at my notes, but who knows? We'll give it a crack and you can see that sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't, and it's okay. We're hiding the word of God in our heart and I invite you to join me in it. Colossians chapter three, starting with verse three, it says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life, I love this image, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, when he appears, you will appear with him and be with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, everything, everything that is connected to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, and greed, put them all to death. Greed, that which is idolatry, put it to death because the wrath of God is coming because of these things. And you used to walk in this way in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of these things, rage and malice, anger, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed by, um, by the, it's being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here, there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Here, Christ is all. And he is in all. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Even as your Father has forgiven you, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together into perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, knowing that you were called as one body and called to be at peace. And be thankful. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you, as you teach and admonish one another, let the, let the message of Christ dwell deeply and richly with you. In that teaching and admonishment, let that be deeply in you. Use the, the psalms and the hymns and the songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of Jesus Christ, remembering him Remembering the Father in him. Giving thanks to the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters in everything and do not, and do it not only when their eyes on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as, as though you are working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is in the Lord Christ that you it is is it not the Lord Christ that you are serving anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism when we look at that chunk of scripture we have to kind of go to this thought before anything else before anything else we have to be ready so imagine with me that we are going to run um marathon. We want to run a marathon, okay? And we're, we've, been, we've trained, and we get ready. We get there, and on race day, you show up. Let's say Matt and I are going to run, right? I'm going to use Matt as an example. Matt and I are going to run, and Matt shows up in curlers, a nightgown, a nightdress, old English style. His little cap on his curlers and slippers. And I would look at him, and I'd be like, dude, you got to get out of that stuff. You can't, you can't run in that. You can't, you, dude, that is a bad running outfit, right? That would be a weird running outfit. And it, like, you gotta get rid of that. You gotta get out of that. So go before anything else and get rid of that gear that you're wearing. You look like a weird person from like, you know, Dickens Christmas Carol. Go change. Get rid of it. The Apostle Paul says to us, if you're going to live this life relationally, get rid of some things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil deeds, or evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Get rid of it. 
It's like that outfit before a race. It's never gonna work. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta take it off. Proverbs 15, or 5, 15 to 20, and 12, 4 tell us that God requires faithfulness in our marital relationships. And we need to understand something. These things, these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying, those things are death to a marriage. Those are death. That is a recipe for a marriage on the rocks and a lot of people suffering. Marriage requires fidelity, faithfulness. God calls us to it in Proverbs 5, 15 to 20. God literally says, drink from your own cistern, your own well. Don't go drink from someone else's well. It says, my son, why would you be intoxicated with another man's wife? It's saying there is, there is boundaries And if we don't put on the right things, if we don't take off, excuse me, take off the wrong things for marriage, which is that that sexual immorality, lust, um, evil desires, lying, rage, malice, all these things, if we don't do that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna share parts of us with people who have no part in our marriage. And it's going to damage it, possibly irreparably. It'll do so much damage. God requires faithfulness from us. And he says, don't do these things. Stay in this place. There's a place where it is healthy and it is good and there's faithfulness and unity. Stay in that bond. Be intentional about it. God calls us to it. Take off all these other things and stay in your lane. Because before we can do anything else, so let's go back to the analogy. So Matt goes and takes off all that stuff, right? He comes back wearing nothing but a bath towel. And I'm like, all right, here's what you gotta put on. We're not just stripping away things. There's actually, Paul points to things we can do. He says, put on the new self. Remember that new self that is, um, that is being renewed in the knowledge And in the image of our creator, put on that new self. So here's what it says. How did it say in Colossians 3? Um, Therefore, as God's chosen people. So remember that. You're chosen. You're loved. You're selected. You're chosen as God's chosen people. Holy, so set apart, and dearly loved. Clothe yourself. Put these things on. What did he tell us to put on? Compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience. Like I think of that list and I'm like, oh, that is, um, that is just kindness, humility. I love the, like how kind and good of God to give us a list of things to put on because those things don't often come naturally. I'm not always naturally compassionate. I'm not always naturally forgiving. I'm not always naturally patient. But I can put them on. I can make the effort again and again to put those on. It would be like Matt coming in in a new pair of um, uh, Brooks running shoes. They're really good. I like those. Uh, Brooks running shoes, 
For some reason, I see him really, those tiny short, like running shorts, little running tank top, and he shows up and he's ready to go. And he looks apart, he puts on the things, he's got a water bottle belt, right? And he's ready to go. He's hydrated, he's good to go. He's got the stuff, he needs to do it well. God gives us a list of the things to do it well. Kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love, love which binds them all together in unity. Love matters. Colossians tells us not only what to get rid of, but what to put on. Put on the new self. Clothe yourself. Be intentional about what you put on when you go home. Imagine with me, husbands and wives, as you're going home to see each other and you've given your best to the workforce and you've given your best to your fellow employees and different things. When you get home, imagine yourself putting on compassion. Maybe your spouse had a really janky day and they need you to listen and be compassionate. Put kindness on. Put patience on. They're going to make mistakes. Maybe you need something they don't know. They can't read your mind. Put these things on. Imagine yourself like Mr. Rogers coming in. Won't you be my neighbor? Open the closet. Put on that cardigan and the little shoes and you're ready for the evening. Put those things on when you get home. Bear with each other. What does that mean? It means bearing with one another, forgiving each other, remembering that people may Make mistakes and there's grievances, but we forgive one another, not because we're good at it, but we put it on by effort and we do it out of one central thing, out of love for the person. We love them. I think of love, it says, over all these things put on love. I'm literally someone who loves tropical weather. That is a truth of me. And I would rather be in a polo and like shorts, I'm wearing shorts today because I believe in spring. And, um, and I, would, I love that, right? But in a Michigan winter, I will get dressed in the morning and over these things, I put something on that saves my life. In these bitter months of winter, I put a coat on. I got a new coat. It's kind of, I think it's green. It's green, right? Yeah, it's green. I'm colorblind. I thought it was brown at one point. Anyways, um, I got a new Healy Hansen coat because I like Healy Hansen. And, um, and it's a little longer and it's really puffy and it's warm. I've always worn kind of shell jackets, but I got my first coat. Man, I didn't know what warmth was. Like 20 years in Michigan and I'm like, I finally got a really good coat and I love it. I put it on. It's vital for surviving winter in Michigan. Love is vital for surviving marriage and relationships. We have to love, but not just want to be loved, but we have to love and give of ourselves. It's vital. And it's a benefit to the people around us. So look with me, or, or at least uh, tune in with me as we look at what it's like for a spouse. Now, it speaks in Proverbs 31 of, of a wife, but this goes both ways, I think, um, in the sense that um, this applies to husbands as it does wives. When we look at this and we, and we tell ourselves, like, what is, what is it to clothe yourself or to, um, yeah, to clothe yourself with characteristics that please God? Well, here's the truth. It's a blessing to everyone around you. Proverbs 31, you often hear um, how this, this is often used on Mother's Day. I think it's a good time for it. It's uh, the, the 
proverb talking about a woman of noble character. You read through that. That's something you want in a spouse. Um, it's a remarkable description of a remarkable woman. And, um, and it talks about how this, this, this woman blesses her husband. She blesses the community. She not only tends to the needs of her family, almost instinctively it feels like, before it says when it snows, which you think in the ancient world in Israel, it must not have snowed too much, but it says when it snows, she's not alarmed because she has clothed her children in scarlet. They, they, they have warm clothes. She's made sure she's ready for the, the rainy day, right? She has food prepared. She does these things. And I love that because these attributes of caring and loving others pleases God. God loves to see and delights to see a family well-loved by a husband and a wife, like they, they who love each other and care for each other. So I look at that and I think this person who has these traits that please God, it matters. It matters a lot to the heart of God. Why? Because God wants us to love one another in real practical ways. But God gives us some ways to do it. So I'm gonna talk about it. I hope you're ready. It's the S word. And some kids are like, oh, I can't say that, right? But think about it. When we talk about this word, most of us have an amygdala hijack. The word is submit. Oh, that doesn't go over well. My daughter Bella and I have been joking about this word a lot lately, and I'll say something to her, she's like, no, and I'll look at her and she'll be like, submit. She says it with a little southern twang, and I'm like, no, you get. And we have a lot of fun, and we're kind of weird. But, um, but submit, that's not something we, we dig very much. We don't like to submit to one another. And we can look at, um, how, how is Eric going to teach on this? How am I going to engage submission? How do I say this in front of my wife and do so in a way that honors her? Here's the thing. I'm not saying it. It's not from my authority. I'm talking about from Scripture. Let's look at um, these directions and think about when, when we're married, what does it mean to submit and to love one another? What is God calling us to in this, and how do we deal with it? When my wife and I, when we were first married, she worked at a health club, and um, I was going to make an awkward joke there, but I didn't. Pretty proud of that. Um, but uh, but she worked at a health club, and uh, the, after watching a person do an excessively long, this was the early two thousands, and abs were the thing. Abs of steel. I've heard those are great, but I don't know. Um, but abs were a big deal, and. Um, and the person was doing an excessively long uh, ab workout, and the, and the owner of the gym was standing next to Erica, and he said, um, you know, if you, if, you're thi if you don't have body fat, you have a six-pack. If you have low body fat, runners have a six-pack without doing the ab workouts. But if you have a layer of fat, it hides the abs. I'm here to tell you that's true. I'm telling you it's true. It's so true, right? It, it just... It, if you just have that layer of fat, no matter how much you work at it, no matter how much you do, it's just there. It, it hides what's, it's, it's kind of shielding what's under there. So if you just work away that, that layer of fat, that is when you'll see the abs appear. You'll see that happen. And here's the thing. 
if you work really hard and you're doing all the sit-ups and you're doing all the crunches and you're doing all the V-ups and different things and you're like, where are my abs, right? Where are my abs? They're just below that thing you have to work off, that thing you have to do. And here's the thing. If you have a layer of fat over your stomach, no matter how much you work, there won't be visible abs on you. The reason I tell it is because Paul talked about putting away our old self. There has to be a removal of something for the good thing to arrive. For the thing we want and desire, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take removal. It's gonna take the removal of the lust, the immorality, the lying, the anger, the selfishness, the the things that, that literally cover up the beautiful things in marriage. And it's gonna take an intentional effort of putting on kindness, forgiveness, patience, and love. And I will say this, the, putting those on is far more like running a marathon. It takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes effort. And not many people do it. Not because you can't, but because it's hard. Uh, it makes me think of John F. Kennedy. We do these things like when they're going to the moon. We do these things when he's talking about this. Oh, I love this quote. Um, when Kennedy's talking to the nation back in the early 60s, he said, we're gonna go to the moon. We do these things not because they're easy, but we do them because they're hard. They're worth doing. A good thing worth doing is gonna be hard. Don't give the excuse of it's hard. If it's hard, do it. Have something that's, man, when you lay your head down at night and you're like, man, it was hard, but it was good. It was good, it was worth it. We do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. Do the hard work. Put on patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, forgiveness. Put those things on, carry them with you, and make your marriage something worth having. Not because it just was and we're just in love, but because you love them enough to do the hard thing. You do the hard thing and that helps. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Not to Eric, to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't speak harshly to them. Don't speak harshly to them. We read in Proverbs that a spouse is a blessing from God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. That's Proverbs 18.22, Proverbs 19.14. Houses and wealth are inherited from the parents, but a prudent wife is a gift from the Lord. If we are being transformed into Jesus' nature, we have to put away the old garbage, get rid of that layer of fat that hides the beautiful things and put on the new. Put on the things that we need to do. Submitting to, the, to your husband is fitting and good if they are a God-honoring husband and you submit and follow them in the home, that is not a bad thing to submit to their leadership. I'll tell you this, I've seen my wife do it time and again and it is not, I would say, in her nature but she does it, A, because she trusts me but there's even times where I don't know that she's like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea but I love him and I believe in him and she, she, she has submitted to my leadership multiple times and you know what it makes me do? It not only makes me feel respected, it makes me love her that someone would trust me with their life, and I lead differently. I engage differently, not because I'm a good man, but because someone gave something that I'm not worthy of. So in that act of submission, 
Husbands, we are called to love our wives, not when it's easy, not when they do the thing we want, not when things are kind of rosy and going well. We love our wives as Christ loved the church. And remember, Christ died for the church while the church was yet sinful. So don't tell me if your wife isn't doing everything you want. Love your wife. Love your wife and speak kindly to her. When we talk about these things, it is hard, but it is not apologetic. I'm not sorry that Scripture says this, but I am at a point where I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to something, because this final thing is going to combat the hijack that goes on in our heads, where you're sitting there, and you're like, I'll never submit to what, this guy next to me. Or maybe you're single sitting there, and you're like, I'm never going to submit to any dude, and that's not happening. Or maybe some guy's like, that's right, I submit, you know. And you're doing your thing, you're having your hijack, and you're, you're kind of going survival mode. I want you to pull out of that and plug back into living, go into life mode, because I know this, God's word doesn't return void. God always speaks out of his word. I believe that certain words have landed in different hearts and ears differently today, and God is pinpointing one thing in your life you need to deal with. I don't know what it is. We've read through a lot of scripture today. We've looked at the word of God. So what is God speaking to you? What word, words, or phrases do you need to just take a moment and reflect on? What thing has stood out to you that needs to be dealt with? Take a minute and have a moment of reflection. knowing that God has pinpointed something. And I don't even want to use the words so that you can, you know, kind of be like, yeah, that's the one. I, I know there's words that have stood out, things that have stood out to you today. So, so if it stood out and you, you have that kind of shining thing, you, you know you've got to deal with it, whatever it is, what is your next step in obeying God with it? What is his spirit prompting you to do? How are you to respond? What is the next step of obedience? It's a value in this church, courageous obedience, and it says this, we take risks without guaranteed outcomes. I don't always know how something's gonna work out. In leading in this church, in life in this church, we just don't know. We don't have it all figured out, but we're going to obey God. We have to challenge you, I have to challenge you to live into a value that God gave this church, courageous obedience. What is your next step of courageous obedience in dealing with that thing that God has set before you? Take a moment, wrestle with it. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll respond and worship. Lord Jesus, may your word settle heavy in our heart. May you do a work in us that, that forces us to clothe ourselves in kindness and compassion. Lord, humility, forgiveness, and patience. Clothe us in those things. But Lord, may we not put those things over um, all the garbage in our life. May we give that to you. May we give back to you, Lord, the sexual immorality that has wrecked us, the lust, the impurity, the evil desires, and the greed, which is idolatry. Lord, may we give that to you, and then may you, God, show us the closet where we can begin to put on that compassion, kindness, humility, 
God, that gentleness, faithfulness, and the patience. Lord, give us the things we need to clothe ourselves with. Show us how that works itself out, what it looks like to speak a kind word, what it looks like to be patient instead of volatile, what it looks like to forgive old hurts and live in a new day. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I think about that story with um, the trainer telling Erica, you know, if, if you just take away, if you do those things first, um, getting abs, it comes so easy. And I think to myself, if we would just follow the Apostle Paul's direction, if you just take off those things, yeah, it's work, but take them off. What, what is wonderful and good about marriage and about relationships, it actually comes much easier. It comes much easier because you've done the hard thing of taking off that which covers the beautiful. And I would say to you today that, um, that those words uh, sound a lot like confession and repentance, of, of laying down those things which, well, as Paul said, that there are earthly nature, laying those down to Christ to mean like, I don't want those anymore. Help me pursue this compassion and kindness, humility, forgiveness, and patience. I invite you. I invite you to lay down that thing that covers up so much beauty and live into putting on the very garments of Christ and clothe yourself because you are a person who is chosen, who is loved, and who is holy, who is set apart for God's purposes. And God's purposes are seen in the way we approach marriage, in the way we live as married people, and maybe even for some of us for how we heal from a broken marriage. We can do so in a way that honors Christ. So do that today. Lay down that which destroys and take up that which the word of God calls us to. Clothe yourself as a people chosen, holy, and dearly loved. As you go from this place, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, grace and peace as you go, friends.